It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. July 28th, 2023, the Miami Marlins sit at 55 and 48. My name is Isaac Azut. Welcome to Fish Unfiltered. As your host, I always have Kevin Brawl with me, and we're welcoming a very special guest. He spent 20 years on the Marlins beat, 40 years as a professional journalist, Mr. Joe Forstaro. Joe, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you, sir? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. It's uh, fun times right now. Yeah, you're making your return your second time on Unfiltered. And I guess we can start with just the 2023 season. You and I spent a lot of time together on spring training, and I don't think we had as much hope for this ball club entering the year. They didn't do much on the offensive end or on the starting pitching end. But look at them, seven games over on in late July. What went on? What went right? Well, what went right was Luis Arias was hitting 500 the first month. <laughs> And 400 pretty much ever since. Um, Jorge Soler provided power. And even though Sandy was faltering, other starting pitchers stepped up. And I don't think the bullpen gets enough credit for really stepping up and logging a lot of innings. And I think what went right was when the Marlins were getting hot early, the, 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 the ones everyone thought were going to just run away with it all were terrible. The, the Mets are terrible. You know, the, the Phillies got off to a bad start, but they're kind of corrected it. Um, you know, then you look at, you know, the Cardinals are terrible. San Diego Padres are terrible. You know, all these teams that in spring training, the Cardinals were supposed to run away with the Central. So 
I think a lot of credit will will give to to Skip Schumacher for for instilling you know a confidence that go out play hard see what we can do. But I don't think anyone can really underestimate what Louis Arise has done for this team when you're on base, you know, half the time, you know, or more. And, you know, just being this table setter. And and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you seize on that and you find yourself in a really good spot at the All-Star break. And you built a cushion. So even though you stumbled out of the gate in the second half, you still are in a pretty decent spot because nobody else has seized the moment either. So I, I think the Marlins have kind of, I also think the Marlins have figured out the new rules a little bit better than some of yeah. these other teams, meaning their style of play. I mean, I don't know. Yes. Sandy deserves all the credit for the, the complete game the other day, but that was a two to one game. And Garrett Hampson was only in the game because Jesus Sanchez had, I hope he's fine. But, you know, he had this incident at first base. And as soon as the the Rays get momentum, Hampson drops this perfect bunt, and it does two things. He beats it out, and he busts up Zach Eflin's knee. (laughs) So they lose Eflin. He has a bad inning. Now it's a 5-1 game, and there, you know, the Marlins are riding high. Eflin's out of the game. That was maybe a crippling game for the Rays, who are going the other way right now. And just the more, just little things like that that they do better than other teams. I watch a lot. I watch like five games a day, and I watch these other teams in a similar situation: a leadoff double down a run with their version of Garrett Hampson up, and that guy strikes out with three you know home run swings instead right. of getting a guy to third and, and trying to tie the game and and play it that way. And I think that Skip has is playing the game to the personnel he has because. Nothing really adds up for this when you're when you're, you know, Cy Young Award winner last year. Granted, he pitched very well yesterday, but you know has had a down year, and you know some of the guys you're counting on the middle of your lineup didn't necessarily come through, and you know meanwhile you're right there. So uh, you know the other day against Tampa, the bottom of the order saved the day. Jacob Stallings, who everyone writes off, he had a couple of big hits and helped win the game, and my guy John Birdie uh, just figures out how to do things to win ball games. The problem with John Birdie is the problem with a lot of the players like Joey Wendell, they're more role players. So the more they're on the field, the more exposed, but you put them in that three day a week start, they can be very effective players for you. Yeah, I agree. And you know what, like you said, they added some wins in the first half of the season. And because of that, they do sit pretty seven games over 500, four days to go, five days to go until the major league baseball trade deadline. Last night, we were all surprised, not too surprised, I guess, that they added a reliever. But, hey, David Robertson, arguably the best reliever available on the market, was traded to Miami for two high upside prospects in Ronald Hernandez and Marco Vargas. In my opinion, steep price for just two months of Robertson, but it had to be done. I am 100% behind this because, you know what, that really solidifies the ninth inning for this team that has had some struggles with that inning the last few weeks. Uh, Joe, what were your initial reactions to this to the swap? Oh, I see no downside. And yeah, so you know, I'll take your word for it how good these prospects are. You know, but these <laughs> this is this is win now. This is win now. You can worry about an 18 year old prospect. You could go sign another international signing and and develop him because a lot of times with those prospects, it's not just ability; it's development and what's your system doing. But you know, this was a must 
trade for Kim Ang and the front office, because as I allude to my preamble is the players in the coaching staff did their part to put themselves, if they did nothing, then, and just say, ride it out or make a, a, a rental that is really not that good of a impact guy, you would demoralize your clubhouse, especially since the Phillies are probably going to, they have something up their sleeve because Dave Dombrowski always does. And, and some of these other potential contenders, you needed to do this. And I, I love it. I just wish they would have done it a little earlier. Um, it, that would be my knock on, on what they're doing, but you, this is now, you know, forget what we thought or, you know, was this team overperforming? Is this sustainable? It doesn't even matter anymore because th- we're dealing with today. Today, they're what, seven over and really just a half game out, whatever, for a wild card spot. you got to go for it. And if you don't, then what was this about? You know, right. it was like you basically gave Skip an edict to have the mantra, do everything you can to win the day, win the day, win the day, win the day. And, you know, I've seen too many teams worry about next year, two years later, this guy after that. No, it, this is this is the now because it's been 20 years. Let's be honest. It's been 20 years since they've had a shot like this. Right. Yes. OK. And a few years back, there were like, I think it was 16. They might have been nine over on August 1st. And and then they really like it. It all kind of fell apart. And we know what happened to Jose at the end of that season. Please stand got hurt in August. So you, you ne- you're still, they're not out of the woods, but this was a sign that, you know, now your bullpen, you put people in roles and keep this in mind too, guys, this team is built to play close games. Yeah. So you need, if you're going to go to the playoffs, you need more than one closer. Well, right now they have three, if you think about it, counting, you know, Tanner Scott and AJ and, uh, and, and David, you know, so you got, you got three guys that can hand that you feel comfortable with pitching the ninth, or if you're in extra innings, ninth and tenth. Right. And and um, you needed to make this move, even though we all know they need hitting. That's 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 obvious. But they needed pitching mainly because their pitching is on fumes. So this will get guys their second win. This will got put guys in in better roles. And even if they don't do anything else, this is a significant move. For them, if they don't do anything else, then they're banking on Jazz and Garcia or whoever to come off the IL and and provide just enough and hope Sandy's the innings eater and 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 then run it to the end. But this is a very significant move, and and it also takes the Mets off the board because there was sure. a time I thought the Mets could make up six games coming out of the break or seven games. Not now. They're they're basically they're out of it. So you take the Mets out of the picture and. David Robertson doesn't go to a, one of the teams you're you're fighting for a wild card spot with, right? So this is this is a very significant move, and and hats off. I don't really see any downside to it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Mr. On top of that, I mean, yeah, you bring in a guy who not only could lock down ninth for you, but someone who's done that at the highest point of baseball in the World Series. He won in with a no nine with the Yankees. He was with the Phillies, and he's not you know very. He he knows he's very familiar with the NL East. He's pitched with the mm-hmm. with the Mets and the Phillies, and he's done it at, at very high stages. So I really love the move. I I, I you know. Obviously, the prospects that they gave up, I was a big fan of both Ronald switch hitting guy. He was p- playing very well in the FCL. And then you have Marco Vargas, who, I mean, we when we were doing this, the top 30 list for Sean first, we were expecting him to be the best hitting, pro- the best, the top position player in our list come end of season. So that's how we thought of them. And obviously, the Mets get a great return, in my opinion. And uh, I, I think Robertson's a great piece to add. You now give, you know, you could kind of put Puck in the seventh or eighth if need be. And then you could put Robertson in the ninth. Someone who's done this, you know, as, as we've seen the World Series. So I really like the move. He also has the cutter, so he could kind of help out. I know Jesus Lizardo now throwing the cutter a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I believe is I believe it's Puck as well who throws the cutter. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, so you know, kind of get a nice mentor in that in there. And on top of that, you get Andrew Nardi coming back very soon, probably on yep. Monday. So you add another reliever there. So not only you know, you know kind of cool addition there via the injuries. So. Miami's bullpen may be probably the best in the National League um, East right now. How I look at it, Atlanta, obviously, they added their own pieces. But, I mean, Miami got the best reliever on the market if Josh Hader is not dealt at the deadline. So, I love this. I love it. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to like. And and you mentioned a good point, uh, Kevin. And and this can't be taken too lightly. Um, David Robertson's performed in New York. He's performed with pressure in a pressure environment. There's a lot to be said about, you know, closers that close in meaningful and winning seasons uh, compared to some other rentals who you don't know. You know, they you, you know, you don't know if uh, a, a guy in a smaller market or hasn't really been tested may have numbers. Uh, but, you know, so th- again, I a couple of weeks ago, I think I tweeted something uh, about, you know, they needed a reliever. You know, I thought they needed to get another closer for what I, I kind of stated is. When you're when you're going to be playing as many close and meaningful games, you need your bullpen. Your bullpen, and yes, they have a ton of needs, but you know they need the bullpen to be as strong as they can for any any shot to uh, to reach the postseason and advance in the postseason. Yeah, and like Kevin mentioned, sometimes the best additions are the internal ones. Like you mentioned Andrew Nardi coming off the AL, but another addition that was you know from the outside was Jorge Lopez from the Minnesota Twins. Another trade with the Minnesota Twins. Uh, this time, Dylan Floro goes the other way. Dylan Floro ended up spending three pretty solid seasons with Miami. Uh, Kimming, you know, acquired player for another one. Uh, Joe, what were your thoughts on another Lopez coming to Miami from the Twins? <laughs> well, 
this is an interesting baseball trade because make no mistake, you know, D- David Robertson cushions this because Dylan Floro is pretty dependable. Yeah. Taking the ball under anything, you know, if he had a bad outing, which all relievers do, he, he you got the most out of him and he's very dependable and, and, and was used a lot. Uh, Lopez has upside. The interesting thing is if the danger, if you had kept Floro, and let's say August doesn't go too well for the Marlins and you fall out of it. It just kind of falls apart. But you were banking on Floro and now you fall out of it in the second in the final two months. You were going to lose Floro. I'm sure they were thinking if they were sellers, then Dylan Floro was going to be moved at the trade deadline, you know, because he's heading free agency. Uh, so, you know, he's on an expiring contract. So it was interesting the way they did this to get a, a year of control in Lopez, a guy with, you know, he's got a good, I guess, a good like power sinker type guy, uh, which plays at, at Lone Depot, uh, you know, so that's good. You know, so that, that was an interesting baseball trade. You know, you, sh- you saved a little bit of money there, but you took on the rest of David Robertson's salary. So you didn't, you know, you, you, you've taken a credit to Bruce Sherman. He's taking on money right now. So I, I like this a lot. I, I, the way they did their bullpen, boom, you know, you got, you, like you said, if he's arguably the best, you know, closer who's, who was out there. And I still am not convinced San Diego is going to deal. Maybe they are, obviously if they move Soto, they will be, but uh, you know, yeah. it's like, it, it is, uh, these are very good moves. The, the, those both moves were good. But, you know, you mentioned Nardi. Nardi pitched almost every game. He was completely, you know, I'm hopeful he comes back and, and mirrors. But a lot of these younger guys who have been leaned on heavily and they're coming back from injury, I look at them as as kind of icing on the cake. Not, you know, hopefully he's fine. But I'm not just thinking, oh, you just plug and play like you did the first half when he would go – Every every day he was up, it seemed like, because you know the guy's dealing with you know now you're dealing with his future. He's in uncharted waters and innings and all that other stuff. So I think you got to be a little more guarded with Andrew Nardi and just hope that you know you could get quality innings down the stretch. If he gives you more than that, great. But I'm more fingers crossed that he that he holds up than celebrating. Oh my gosh, we got you know a, yet another wipeout lefty type guy. The interesting thing about the trade with Lopez, I mean, I, I was trying to look like I, I was looking through stats. I was looking through splits. Like, is there something this guy has done this season that kind of made Miami make the trade? And really, to be honest with you, there really wasn't because you look at ERA, you look at FIP. The FIP is almost at a six, I believe. The ERA is like five point something. I think what what will help is obviously Mel Stoudemire. I think you bring in a guy not only with another year of control, as you mentioned, Joe, but a guy who's been a closer before with the Orioles. He's faced the Yankees. He's faced all these really good teams in that very competitive AL East. He was an all-star last season. That's the one thing we really do have to remember. He was an all-star pitcher for, for the Orioles. And uh, hopefully, you know, in a pitcher-friendly environment like Miami, this is somewhere that I guess you could kind of lower that ERA, lower that fifth. And I, I think it's a nice addition by Miami. Didn't floor up. You could definitely make the case he was getting a little bit unlucky, especially throughout the second since, you know, after his first month of April. You look at you know, stats and Dylan Floro's, I believe his fifth was like a four, 2.4 something. It was pretty damn low. And that's where you kind of like, you know, you're trying to expire and deal for, for kind of another contract there and a guy that 
could lock you innings and especially in high leverage situations. I know Lopez is very well known for that, especially last season with the Orioles when he was there. And you, you get a guy who either is going to really lock it down for you in high leverage, or he's going to shit the bed as we could say it here. And I think that's how it kind of goes with, um, with Lopez. I don't know if you want to add anything, Isaac. Well, it's interesting. Oh, uh... I find it interesting because the twins are like in first place. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know what I mean? It was, it's, it's like, it was such why, a weird are giving, trade. why are you making big league for big league? Because it's kind of a wash. I mean, you can make arguments for both, but you know, so it, it's, it's interesting in, in that regard. I think there's a backstory. I'll tell you guys at the ballpark later. There's some other stuff going on. So. Yeah. Cause that, that 22 season that he was an all-star, it seems to be easily by far the, greatest season of his career and the rest of them just haven't been as great. It was a year that he struck out more than a batter in inning and he just hasn't been able to do that consistently. Obviously this year, only the stuff is still there from what we've seen. But if you look at that, you know, savant page of his, it's a lot more blue than one. And as our great Luis Adio Weiss did a good job of diving into Dylan Floro is an extremely unlucky pitcher and who was really, really just a dependable guy. Like Joe said. But, yeah, you trust him. You trust Floro. Right. It doesn't mean he comes through every time, but you trust him. You know? Exactly. But all, I think a great three years for Dylan Floro with the Marlins organization. Um, and, yeah, he pitched a lot of meaningful games, made a lot. I think it was 37 total saves, if I remember from last night's Jeopardy. So, all <laughs> in all, thank you, Dylan Floro. And an, another rumor that surfaced last night, Carl, before Carlos Santana got dealt to Milwaukee, uh, there was a rumor that Miami was one of the final teams interested in this player, which, you know, I think we all agreed at Fish on First. That was a very weird fit, uh, considering he's first base only at this stage of his career. You have Gary Cooper, Yuli Gurriel really splitting time there at this stage. Joe, what do, what do you make of that? What have you heard regarding first base and players like Santana, Candelario, et cetera? There's stuff I'm not at liberty to say, but I'm going to just tell you guys, they are looking at a lot, a lot of players, that, as all these teams are. But they're looking at a lot, a lot of players that would surprise you. And they're a big name uh, in both leagues. We'll talk um, later. You know, so <laughs> they, they've, they've had their it, – it does. I, and to be honest, I, I don't think they're going to get Tim Anderson. That doesn't mean Thank they will. But, um, <laughs> but I will throw this. I would go after Luis Robert if I were them. And – and this is an interesting one because I too moving forward now that they got a reliever, obviously they're they're also looking at a ton of like starting pitching like that they think is attainable and you know Detroit has a couple of them. Uh, I don't think we're gonna see them in the Marlin series, but you know, I think the, the usual suspects are pretty widely known that could be moved. Um I think a Jordan Montgomery could be someone the Marlins could be interested in as well. But uh, from a from a hitting standpoint, to to attain this, I don't see how the Marlins are going to do it unless they trade off their big league roster, which raises this. And I'm not advocating this because he's one of my favorite players, but where's Jazz's future with this team, or or where's his position right now? You know, he hasn't been on the field. They've been pretty much winning, and center field is not. You know, we spoke about that. I wasn't crazy about him going there. And Luis Arise is the second baseman, and it doesn't look like Jazz is the shortstop. Would you do a package that moved Jazz for Luis Robert? And this is just for entertainment purposes. It's not anything I heard. And if Jazz is listening, I'm not necessarily condoning. I'm just putting if I'm a GM and I'm looking at all angles, do you move 
a jazz, you know, for, you know, a, a piece that, you know, you feel is a better fit for that position. And another guy, too, you almost have to ask yourself, you know, Garrett Cooper is on an expiring contract and, is, yeah. you know, he hasn't been on the field as consistently. So if you're looking at, you know, Carlos Santana and there are others they were looking at that play first base as well. Are you ready to move, let's say, Coop, you know, for maybe a rental for a rental type thing, a guy that plays another position? Um, these are just what I think has has to be going on. These conversations have to be going on because the Marlins farm system isn't great. Um, I the the fact that they traded at the lower levels isn't surprising to me because that seems to be where they got some players. And those are also the furthest away for a regime that's in a win now mode. Um, So you're not really uh, Jake eater. We like to throw the name around, but he's coming off TJ surgery and I like him a lot, but they're still, I don't think you're necessarily going to get, maybe they do, you know, again, a lot can happen between now and August one, but I think that you have to look at two avenues and they just did the lower levels the real lower levels to get Robertson, do they move off the big league roster for something that, you know, gets them an immediate help, but in the process you're moving somebody. So just your thoughts on that guys. Yeah. I mean, I will say with Cooper, I've always, I, since the start of the season, I told myself, man, I mean, if, if they're in it, will they really trade Cooper? But, and then I told, and that's, and I was telling Isaac and Eli before I was like, you know, if, if they were in it, I would see teams still calling in on Cooper no matter what, given the fact that he's on an expiring deal. He's probably not going to return to Miami. And you could probably find a better first baseman out there on the market. There's probably a couple guys, and I can't think of one at the top of my head, that are probably better than Garrett Cooper right now that you would like to bring in Miami. And then the Jazz point you make, you're not wrong. I mean, you're not wrong at all on that one. I, th- I think you're completely right. But um, I think, yeah, if, if you're if you're able to get someone like Louis, Luis Robert, as you mentioned, Joe, Man, I think you do consider giving up Jazz because you would bring in a guy who's probably one of the AL MVP contenders. Obviously, it's going to be Shohei, but you know, one of the someone who's going to get a lot of traction with votes, and he's going to finish probably in the top seven, top five of MVP voting. That's the type of play you would bring in if you, you know, with Luis Robert and he's someone who could also play center field. So, I think that's how I see it. Yeah, I think everything has to be on the table. And, you know, it gets to your point, and I get it. You guys do great legwork on these younger guys and are really kind of getting a feel for them, and that's all well and good. But I just don't, you know, outside of Yuri, there's really no untouchable in this. Obviously, on the big league roster, you're not moving Sandy or anything. But, but yeah. you're, you know, you're, you have to, if you want to, you want to get there to, because right now, what this might be it. This year, next year, let's say, might be the window. Mm-hmm. You know, to there's a lot on the line. Obviously, the Marlins were looking to capitalize on the World Baseball Classic. Uh, we know Kim's situation with the one year and Skip's really two years. You know, so it's like there's a lot of urgency to win now. And you you can't let anything hold you back. It's, you know, 03 wasn't supposed to be there. And I obviously covered that. <laughs> and it was like, oh, they're not supposed to be there. And then the more you look and you're like, well, they're not supposed to be there, but they're still there. And, you know, and then they... They early on detected that, and, and this I'll give this quick story. Um, we were in uh, Chicago playing the Cubs in a doubleheader, and it was, it was probably I think it was late June, and and Carl Pavano's facing I believe Kerry Wood, 
and and beating them like two to one and going into like the eighth inning ish, and and Pavano's pitching great, but he Jack sends him out for the eighth inning when already he was pretty taxed and it was like one of those typical you know like single double or Ramos Ramirez double and a and a Moises Alou Homer or something like that. Next thing you know, the Marlins are like down like four to three or whatever the score was. And post they lose the game. And I I asked Jack afterward about Pavano. I was like, Jack, I mean, Pavano was already kind of, you know, your thoughts on sending him out for the eighth inning. And he goes, he goes, and he didn't say he said it to like making a statement. He wasn't yelling at me for asking the question. He said, he said, I felt Pavano at 70%, whatever the percentage he thought he was, at that point of the game was better than my bullpen, my best bullpen piece. So he felt 70% of Pavano was worth going with over. Well, what Jack, well, maybe he intentionally did, but what he basically said was they had Luke, Braden Looper as a closer, and within before, I think it was July 3rd, they traded for Uga Thurbina, huh. and they made the move early and Urbina was clearly a rental, but the top reliever on the market and all the big names were in on Urbina. And yes, they got rid of Adrian Gonzalez who had a very good career, but they won the world series. And I'm not sure there's Lone Depot park. If the Marlins don't win that second world series, I, I, I really, but that was a transformational because the Marlins were looking for a stadium at that time and we're always using, we won the world series in 97 and then, you know, elected officials could be like fluke year, but now they had two, right. Two with two different ownerships. And you could say, this is what it can look like. So if you're going to build fans, if you're going to kind of make August and September and bump heads with football, you, this is the year to do it. And so I, you know, if you got to move somebody off that big league roster to get you that piece, you got you to gotta think about it. You can't just play for 24, 25, because we don't know what it's going to look like in 24, 25. Yeah, and the funny yeah. thing is you, you mentioned Jazz Chisholm, and you're not the first person to mention Jazz Chisholm and possible trade scenarios, and I think the team has to consider it. I don't think the team is enamored with the way this player has gone the last three years. Obviously, he's been hurt a lot of the time, and there's been a couple of big names out there in the major leagues, uh, some on the Padres, some on the White Sox, like you just mentioned, Luis Robert that, you know, Jazz would have to be probably the centerpiece. And if, if I'm the Marlins, I think you you got to do it. This player has shown an inability to stay on the field. And I guess I think sometimes it lets it, it gets to his head a little bit. I don't know your thoughts on this particular player, Joe. Jazz is – he's one of the most unique players I've ever covered. And I like him in so many ways. And even at the – I love Zach Gallon. I love Jazz, Jazz Chisholm. I feel I have a good rapport with both both players and and it's just a very it was an interesting trade then and yeah. now it's like look can the sky's the limit with him there's no doubt his his talent is immense i love his confidence um and and everything that it, that he that he brings to the table i feel right now and i'm making this claim mainly because i don't know where his position is because his position was second base he wasn't started voted as a starting all-star second baseman yeah. But you got Luis Arise, who shouldn't be at first. He's fine at second. So yeah. I, it's like, what did they do? And it's, you don't just say, okay, now you're my shortstop. You know, why don't you do that this year? You know, 
however it went down, you know, their versions, I will take everyone's word for it, but, but they really didn't address center field. And then at the last minute, Jazz says he'll play it. And okay. now was the turf toe. Look, you, you guys get hurt, but when you're not a familiar, when you don't have all the years and all the reps there, center fielders get accustomed to how many stabs to the field with for the ballpark when they can slow down, when they, you know, when, when are you just going to fly into the wall trying to make a heroic play, all that stuff, all the, the instincts that go into play in the position, this is the big leagues. It's not just, you know, you're, you're on a high school field or college field. This is, you want to win, you know, you, again, I, again, I wasn't a big fan of that move and hats off to jazz for doing it. And right now it's, it's not about even second guessing. It is where does jazz come back to play? Right. And you have I Jazz mean, and Avi Garcia. I, I don't know where you have Brian De La Cruz, probably one of your most consistent hitters. You have Jesus Sanchez, who just really seems to come up with that big hit most of the time. I don't know where you fit all these guys. There really is no way, especially without um, giving someone away from your major league roster. They don't all fit. And I don't, don't know what you guys would do about it. What would it would it surprise you guys if Miami traded an outfielder? Maybe De La Cruz. You sell high. I think we were talking about this, Isaac. You yeah. sell high on De La Cruz and you bring in another big bat into the order. I mean, Avi Garcia is not a big deal, and he's gonna have to come back pretty soon. And you could probably send down Hampson and put back Jazz in, in, in the lineup and put him at center. Well, that would be that's obviously given that yeah, that's where he would go. But is that the best fit? You know what I mean? No, so, that goes no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I guess until these guys do come back, we won't have to worry about it too much. Jazz hasn't started a rehab assignment yet, but Abby Garcia is on the cusp of returning. He might be even in the clubhouse today. We don't know. Um, well, Kevin and I will know when we arrive around 2.33, big Miguel Cabrera press conference. The other part of the team that I think you know needs to be upgraded is the starting pitching. The Equator did come back and give them six miraculous innings. I, I think against all odds, he, he did that. Joe, what are your thoughts on starting pitching? They did do these two bullpen moves. They haven't already come back. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But I do want to say that the name, and I'm really surprised he isn't here yet, and, and meaning that they didn't pull the trade off because uh, you guys have thrown it out. But the the Candelario trade with Washington, you know, his name had been at the forefront for a while. And there were some people that were thinking that trade was going to happen three weeks ago. So keep an eye on that, you know, for, for third base. So uh, that would be something I didn't want to, you know, lead the podcast without noting that. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Uh, starting pitching, uh, yeah, it's really fascinating because Edward Cabrera is a wild card right now. Yep, this is really what complicates it for the Marlins because you know, hats off to Johnny Cueto to being the veteran he is to do what he what he's done. Uh, in you know, I know it's only a couple of appearances, but you know, if Cabrera is going to be two, three innings and the blister or is the shoulder completely right, it really puts them in that bind that they're, you know, that's where, you know, why they, as much as they need a bat, you know, they, 
they need an arm, but I could flip it again too. What if you move Jazz for a you know controllable starting pitching? You know, you could do him as as well. You know, it's uh, it could be it could all go into there. So I think you you they've kind of are making normally at the trade deadline you're one thing away. You know, you're not normally. Oh, we need a shortstop still. We need a center fielder still. We need a third baseman, first baseman, catcher, a starting pitcher. You know, that's when you ask me what went right. You know, it's like there's nothing really that adds up that they're there. So yeah. Yeah, you don't usually do your entire offseason needs at the trade deadline. You know, usually you yeah. get that one guy or two guys and that's it. So, uh yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, Montgomery. I think he would be a good fit, but there, there are other, there are others out there as well. You know, you want to go the rental route, or you're gonna, if you want controllable, that, that's the point. If you want a controllable guy, then I think that's where you're looking at throwing Jazz's name in the in the hat. Is is the control? It's not certainly. It's not the rentals. Yeah. Do you think this current rotation, and obviously, we 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 could even add Yuri in there at some point. I mean, I guess replacing Quaid already. Do you think it's sustainable what they could do with this current rotation right now? I mean, they just haven't locked these innings, Kevin. That's the thing. There's no real track. You know, they traded Pablo, gave him a lot of innings last year for Pablo. And isn't Pablo like leading the American League in strikeouts or something? It's, you know, it's, it's, this is where, as much as I love having Luis arise, this is where that hurt. And this is my apprehension about making those kind of trades and just assuming we got pitching surplus or pitching surplus. Uh, In, Again, Yuri, I, I wouldn't have sent him down. To be honest with you, now I didn't. Same I'm way. not looking at. I'm not looking at all the service time, and I don't want to be that cynical. Uh, but you know, I haven't read the CBA as closely as I would have if I was still day to day. But I then the issue isn't that Yuri wasn't going to at some point have to be monitored or certainly have his innings curbed. I just is. I'm. I think you create more risk for injury by taking players off of a routine and making uh-huh. up a completely different one. You could have done a lot of different things with just riding him out there and and just, you know, if he gives you – we could say innings, but he we've seen him have seven-pitch innings, you know. So if he's not having a stressful inning, just ride him out there. Yeah, after four innings, okay, he's out of the game. But I, And then if it's mid-August, well, then Yuri helped take you to the, that spot in mid, mid-August, and then you, you hit the number. Because I still think a lot of these numbers are are pretty much just made up, you know. They're they're just yeah. based on well, similar type guys. It's almost like the arbitration process. Your salary is based on what somebody else did before you. you know, yeah. You know, you're a similar comp, but that doesn't mean if if you're completely healthy and showing no signs of fatigue, and you're dominating big league hitters, what's a 45 pitch performance three weeks later at Double A do for you? Exactly. You know. Yeah, and and I think you could even, you know, if you really do want to limit Yuri, you could still pony him up with someone like Johnny Quaid or Edward Cabrera, where where you start with you make it, yeah, bingo. Yeah, that's what they should be doing, and 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 you know, I think Isaac, Eli, and I all disagreed that they that to call him down to send him down. They shouldn't have done that at all, and he didn't pitch for like two weeks. I'm pretty sure. And now he goes like two innings and a third, I believe. It was his last start, and yeah. that's not going to help you right now. No, and how does that help him? You know, it's like you're just, you're just, you have some number that I don't know if 
publicly they said it sometimes they'll tell you privately you know but is it 140 innings what what's the number you know where where's this magic he can't go any further than and i disagree entirely that oh my gosh yuri perez coming out of the bullpen in in the in october well to do what you know you know, they can talk about Dontrell did that in 03, but he didn't do it well. He wasn't great in the playoffs as a reliever. You know, I think he had one pretty good outing against San Francisco in the first round, but he wasn't like Dontrell was some dominant, you know, reliever. You know, he may have, may have had one inning of work against the Yankees or two innings of work. But, um, you know, it's like you're messing with the guy's routine. And again, I don't know. Is he a guy who takes a long time to warm up? You you can do opener scenarios, or right. you know, you can do that type of stuff. And it, I think people need to realize the difference between an opener and a bullpen game. And it's exactly what what Kevin was saying is you could pair him up with with Cueto and have Cueto be the bulk guy that day. So if he's you know if he has a five pitch first inning, he gets the second. You know, give him thirty pitches. And maybe he takes you two and two thirds or whatever. You probably don't want to start Quater to start in any, or to come in the middle of the inning. You probably want to start the inning, um, and just and then do it that way. There are ways. There's mm-hmm. a there's a 26 man roster now. You know there, that you can figure this stuff out and keep him on a schedule that's not don't throw or whatever. It's and I get it. It's and and trust me, it's like the Marlins aren't the only team. Every pretty much 29 other teams have done the same thing. But I just say you know, it's like why you just you're just creating something to if he does if he if you ran him out there and he got hurt everyone be running you you know running you out of town but now if he gets hurt you'll get a pass because well we try to control his innings better instead of hmm. you know and maybe that's the McKeon and me seeing you know he didn't he didn't act that way with with Dontrell in 03. Dontrell pitched until he got real tired and, and, and fatigued and, and, and it wasn't just the same at the end, but you know, he'll take that world series ring knowing Don Trout, he's very happy having that. So you, again, you, you ride this, we're, we're putting the limits on the kid. We're putting the limits on him. Who's to right. say he can't put his own limits on himself. Right. Well, Joe, you tell me, did the team get a pass in 2014 when they were so, so careful with Jose in 2013, so careful, more careful than I've ever seen a team be with a pitcher. And he gets Tommy John anyway. 2014, did they get a pass that year too? No, that that just brought so much frustration to like the Mike Redmonds of the world because Redmond ultimately loses his job, and he right. in 13 had a baby him the whole time, and then he's like, he got hurt anyway, you know, exactly. doing you know, and uh, and why does he get hurt? You know, when you're throwing that many hard sliders and, <laughs> and that, that nasty and throwing that hard all the time. And, and, and guys get hurt. You, you just can't predict it. You, you can't, you know, all I know is if you're, you could see red flags, you know, you could see is, does Yuri look like he's tiring? Does it, is there, is there a drop in velo? Is he, is his arm slot dropping? There's so many signs yeah. that tell you a guy is in trouble. As far as I saw and, and heard, Yuri had shown none. It was mm-hmm. just a, again, which makes you think, uh, you know, is it a service time thing? But, you know, again, it's like if you're going to extend them anyway, you know, that that Super 2 status really doesn't come in. A lot of times that doesn't come into play. Um, but, you know, uh, I, again, it's and it's just my opinion. You know, I just think I've seen a lot of it. And, 
you know, there are people I'm sure completely disagree, but, uh, but I, again, I, I kind of have that Johnny saying more injuries within activity than activity. And that mm-hmm. doesn't mean recklessness. That doesn't mean, you know, butchering the guy, keeping him out there for a 40 pitch inning. And when he's stressed out, there, right. there's so much I think you could have done with a talent like Yuri Perez to, to keep him here. And, and think of what, again, I'm anticipating what David Robertson brings is this new energy, you know, because along the way in the season, long season, you need new energy players to come in and outsiders to come in, kind of pick you up for a little bit. The, the spark with Yuri going every fifth day and Sandy being on track, and yeah. hopefully. And, and then it's like, okay, now, hey, now that confidence, now they're coming on the field and the other team is looking like, yeah, we ain't scoring tonight. You know, and <laughs> so, again, it's like that stuff matters. You know, there, there's a lot of uh, psychological stuff that goes on a baseball field when the, and the players kind of know it. And I just thought, again, I wouldn't have handled it that way, but that's not to say – what they did was wrong because 29 other teams probably would have done the same thing. Joe, I do want to ask about Consolari. I'm glad you mentioned him because I, I believe the report is now that they're shifting to Consolari after going for Carlos Santana. Just what have you heard on that front? And how much do you think Miami would have to give up for someone like Condelaria who, I mean, when you bring him in, you're going to kind of, you, you'll, you kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't say platoon, but it would give Gene Segura some more rest and, I believe Condelaria could play first if need be, and if you do decide to move on from someone like Garrett Cooper, but I, I would prefer him at third out. So. Yeah, it's just most of the names, at least early on uh, that I've heard, is, is third base. You know, it's like they're looking at third base, and and then they're looking at all the first basemen. So if he if he and what he's hits lefty or switch hits, uh, you know, there's so many players, uh, Candelario. switch hits, switch hits. Yeah, yeah. So you get you get. A guy like that, he's got some pop, you know. So I think that his name has just been out there and you just keep hearing it that, you know, I think sometimes we we tend to, we hear something that doesn't get done. And then like three weeks later, we have 14 other new rumors we're following. And then the, the deal that gets done is the one that was in the works three weeks ago. You know, so again, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's ultimately the move. Now, what do you give up for him? What, how much control does he have? I you know. Uh, one year deal, I believe. Yeah. One year deal. Yeah, one, so year, you're deal. Not, you're, one year deal. Well, you're not giving up as much, you know, so you're, you're giving, you're probably giving him an arm, you know, you're probably giving him, you know, a double a arm, you know, right. Monteverde. Yeah. yeah. I guess the only, the only worry with Miami is that I'm sure every single contender that there is, and there are a lot of them this year, quote unquote, that, you know, would love to have this player. Does Miami have enough assets to outbid all those other teams? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't trade Monteverde, but you know, again, really? uh, I wouldn't trade him. No, I hear too much good about him. Arms. Yeah. And, and this kid's pretty good. He's lefty and he's really good. You know, uh, but you know, they're, I don't know, do you move, do you move Eater and, and somebody else? Uh, you know, you, you could go that route, rental. you know, you know, but again, well, you, you know, have- we're, we're talking rentals, but we're talking, you know, you're talking about potentially an opportunity to, to have a very, very special transformational moment in, you know, in, in the, in the future of this franchise, because what's yeah. the alternative? I- it all falls apart and then, and everyone forgets about him in September. You know, that's, you know, that, that's not exactly, we, 
I've lived through many of those. Yeah, like yeah, Carlos with, Lee. <laughs> yeah. With yeah. with Monteverde, Joe, you are you a little surprised he's not up by now? I mean, the guy has been dominant. I believe he was a 2018 draft pick, and now is when they're promoting in the AAA. They did it, I, I believe, this week, and. You know, they need arms. They really do. Was he a little dinged up, though? Didn't he have a little? He was in the Futures game, right? You know, in the, yeah, was he, he was, did he, was he a little sore or something like that? It might have been. I, I thought he had. I, I thought he might have had something. I, I might be wrong. But uh, you don't need a rush. That's the thing. I'm not, you know, double A is fine. You know, double A, triple A, it doesn't really matter to me. You know, you're 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 facing quality players. You're, you're again, back to what I was saying. Maybe you're, you know, like the you know, what he's doing there, the environment, you know, whatever, maybe you're trying to win a little bit uh, and you have a chance to, you know, get some people in the front in the farm system, pay raises because they win a division or whatever. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into it. And I, I don't think that I, I don't, as far as I've heard, they've done nothing. Would I say anything I would have done differently with Monteverde? You know, I just think he's fine. You know, just, he's just going to need time. But once he gets there, I think he's going to be a pretty good pitcher for them. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think he's going to eat a lot of valuable innings late this season. And, you know, if so, maybe even in the postseason, I, I think he's going to be a really valuable asset for this team. I think he's more valuable to the Marlins than he would be in the trade to another team. So I, I think that's the right way to go. Uh, Joe, we want to finish up with you. We don't want to take up too much of your time. Last thing I'm going to ask you is, hey, it's Miguel Cabrera Appreciation Weekend. He comes yeah. back to South yeah. Florida. huh? Um, first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. 3,000 hits, five, six hundred. Is it 600 home runs already? 500. 500 home 500. runs, and doubles. Yeah. And wow, probably one of the best players to ever put on a Marlins uniform. Joe, just you know, if you want to share your favorite memories of covering this player and maybe what no, went down with the trade, He's the best, but... the best player to ever put the uniform on, I think. Uh, I think if you're just going to base on war or something like that, Stanton's been the, the greatest Marlin if you're going to do what the accomplishments, home runs, and all the other stuff. Um, but, but Miggy's the most talented is arguably the most right talented right-handed hitter of the last since 2000. Certainly. I mean, I know Pujols and Manny Ramirez and, you know, Mike Trout and all those, but, uh, this is, uh, in terms of pure hitter, man, he's the memories, you know, remember seeing him in spring training in, in 2002, my first year on the beat for MLB.com. And then certainly the call up in 03, his first hit being a walk-off home run in extra innings. I don't yeah. think people remember, but Jack hit him ninth. Yeah, he was hitting ninth in the lineup that day. Um, other memories, uh, uh, you know, obviously the World Series home run off Roger Clemens. I, I will say is something. This is what I loved about Jack McKeon. Uh, the Marlins were playing at Philly, coming out of the All Star break. And in 03 and, and Miggy had a, had a good series. And then and Jim Tomei was with the Phillies that year. And, and the Marlins, I think they lost two of three, I think in that series. Uh, and they had some bad luck. Maybe, it, maybe I'm getting my dates wrong. It might've been August. And, and um, Tomei had like some big hits for Philly and the Marlins were scuffling a little bit. And, and then I said, you know, right now I said to Jack pregame, just in our BS session after he had talked and we were just talking, I was like, and I was like, you guys right now, you're not having what Tomei's giving you. That guy is getting a big hit. And then we go into Atlanta and, and Miggy like hits like some extra inning game. He hits this really clutch 
two-run double or two-run home or something like that to ice the game and win at Turner Field, a big, big game, uh, you know, to keep them afloat in the wild card standings. And McKeon, after the game, goes, Cabrera, he's our Jim Tomei. <laughs> it's like it's like he's giving me a little like a kudos for mentioning something about Tomei and he kind of like gave me that little uh, but it was funny to hear McKeon say that the other memory is when they're playing that several years later at Baltimore when they tried to intentionally walk him in extra innings and of course and he he reached over and got a single because the pitcher whoever it was at the time um didn't throw the pitch wide enough. And Miggy just with the most relaxed swing looked like a softball player, just swatted it over to like the into the short center field and knocked in the game winning hit. Uh, there's really nothing he couldn't do with a baseball bat. And just, you know, I, I've, I said this after Jose Fernandez died um, that of all the years up until that point, and, and maybe still true, I don't know if they're the two players I covered um, as Marlins who I felt enjoyed playing baseball maybe more than anybody that I covered were Jose Fernandez and Miguel Cabrera they just loved playing baseball and Miguel didn't care if it he never wanted to come out of games he day games after night games you know some days he was maybe drank a little too much the night before but um but you know his love for baseball and and I think Luis Arise has a lot of that I think Jazz has a lot of that, but, you know, just guys that just completely love playing baseball and it's great for him to be a hall of famer. You know, it's kind of what could have been if he had stayed in Miami, obviously, um, you know, there's a lot of people that knew when they traded him that they were trading a hall of fame, a future hall of famer. And it was a very hard day. And obviously the trade didn't pan out, but having Miguel Cabrera come back here, it'll be interesting to see how many people are there night and, and the crowd reaction to him, which I'm sure will be special. And just a, a special, you know, generational player. And, you know, I'm proud to say, and by then I'll have my 10 years in the BBWA. I'll be very happy to cast a vote for Miguel Cabrera as a Hall of Famer. I'm looking forward to that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, a very special place in all of our hearts. Uh can't wait to talk to him. He's apparently going to be at a big press conference today around 3 p.m. Lone Depot Park, it's July 28th. Kevin, if there's not anything else on your end, I think we can send this off. Yeah, I think we're good. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you at the ballpark very soon for to kick off Miguel Cabrera weekend. Two days of ceremony. I believe they're not doing anything on Sunday. So for the ones watching, I believe this will drop on Saturday. If it drops on Friday, we'll get out to the ballpark Saturday. Get out to the ballpark Venezuelan Heritage Day as well on saturday so highly recommend you all to go out there and should be a good time so yeah yes thanks again joe joe anything from you no just uh you know thanks for having me on and uh and kudos to you guys and to and to eli for doing you know something on your own and and trying to build something i have a lot of respect for that as someone now in this stage of my career as i'm building it least two companies and it's not easy uh but it can be potentially very rewarding so kudos to you guys and all the best with the podcast thanks for having me on and uh see you guys later we appreciate it it is fish on first and it's man on second we just got to get someone on on third right um (laughs) (laughs) all righty for for kevin for joe for sorrow for myself thank you all and as always go fish 